Well, amen. I'm so glad that you have joined us today. We are excited about everything that God is doing. And uh, I just want to encourage you. It would just do me a lot of good if I could see you and, and hug your neck or shake your hand or, or something. But uh, we're going to practice what our civil officials have told us to do. We believe that they have done this in the interest of, of the public good or public safety, and we want to follow their uh, guidance. So I want to let you know that we want to do that. I believe that believers all over the world should do that because this is not something where they're coming against um, uh, religious liberties. They're not doing that. I've not seen that. I've not felt that. Now, the Holy Spirit has not said that to me. And so we want to make sure that we are following what they want us to do. Uh, right here in the fellowship, we have several uh, people, as you saw in our praise team, and only essential personnel. But what we're doing is we're making sure that we are practicing the social distancing, and we are encouraging you to do the same. We're, we don't want you to say, I know God, I trust God, so I don't have to do that. That's not right. As a matter of fact, we always say here at the fellowship that the anointing breaks the yoke, but not the rules. We want you to follow the rules. If you're a good believer, you'll follow those rules, all right? And we love you. And now, I want to share something with you from the Word of God. It's my joy, my privilege, my pleasure to share with you from the Word of God. I was uh, uh, with uh, my daughter earlier this week, or earlier last week, and we were talking about a particular thing. We were talking about something that had happened in my life. And she made a, a comment to me, and that comment caused me to, sit, to come up with this message, and it is, Lord, I am sorry. That's the, uh, the title of my message, Lord, I am sorry. I am sorrowful of heart. I regret what I've done. I regret my sin. It may seem like a very basic message. I don't have any problem with basic things. Uh, we always need to go back to basics, uh, always. But I, I have no issue with that. What I want to do is share with you the Word of God and from the Word of God today. With all this going on in the world, with many uh, fearful things going on, um, we just don't know, some people just don't know what to do uh, because they are dealing with th uh, all the other things they've always had to deal with, plus they have the coronavirus to deal with. The coronavirus is very deadly. It... Uh, is breathing, as it were, uh, th uh, threats of slaughter and of death. But we're not going to worry about that. What we're going to do is stand before God and always forgive Him. We're going to forgive Him. Uh, rather, we're going to ask Him to forgive us. And we're not going to forgive God. I know I've heard that before. Oh, forgive God. No, we don't have anything to forgive God for. But what we're going to do is ask Him to forgive us. When we talk about forgiveness, that is the, the, the chief thing I want to talk about today is forgiveness because forgiveness will set you aright. It will set you right with uh, whomever you're at odds with or who is at odds with you. And to forgive is a Greek word that means to send forth, to send away. So when you forgive someone for a trespass, you actually remove that, you send it away. It is no longer an obstacle to you. It also can mean to remit or forgive a debt. And so if you remit something, you cancel it out and you, you refrain from exacting a debt or a punishment. So sometimes when people have done something wrong, uh, then we want to uh, say, I forgive you, but I would really like to see you punished for that. No, true forgiveness means that I will not exact punishment from you. And so with the giving of God's Son, 
uh, God offered a full pardon to everyone who would believe the Son, who would receive and believe the Son. It is an amazing thing. So the God's offer of forgiveness uh, deals with the arrogant, because if I'm very arrogant, perhaps I'm, I'm arrogant, I'm haughty, uh, maybe I think I'm smarter than everybody else, and uh, prove to me that there's a God. And uh, when someone said to me not long ago, uh, I'm not sure there's a God, I said, what are you looking for? They said, I'm looking for proof. I said, you're the proof. You know, the psalmist says, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. So, so looking at this, God offered us a, a, his son, Jesus Christ. And if you and I would believe him, he says, we would not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. So God says, okay, I'm going to give all of the arrogant people something to believe. Believe that this man can save you. Wow. And even when he was hanging on the cross, we have to look at the bleeding, bloody, dying man and believe that he can save us. And those of us who believe are saved. The scripture says in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And that is the story of forgiveness, that God, the offended party, offered, offered a pardon to the offenders. Now, this is amazing stuff. Sometimes when we have been dealt with harshly, we have been betrayed, or damaged in some way, we want the, the, the person who did the damage to come and sometimes prostrate themselves at our feet and say, would you, would you forgive me for what I've done? But no, God didn't do that. He did not come, he did not wait on the transgressors to come because in, in reality, the transgressors had no way of, of approaching the God they had betrayed. And so God himself found a way and he became a man, Jesus Christ. And so our refrain should be to God, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. I am sorry for the offense that I've caused to your holiness. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 uh, through 15, if we should read all of those, uh, uh, Jesus says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they might be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Jesus says, they have their reward. But you, Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room. And when you've, ha you've shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who is in the secret place will reward you openly. So Jesus says that, that God will reward us openly. He will reward us openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their much speaking or many words. They think that flowery, many, uh, a multitude of words will get God's attention, but it doesn't. A repentant heart, a heart that says, Lord, I'm sorry. Wow, that's the heart that God is looking for. And when you do that, you're, you're going to change everything in your life. When you say to God and each other, I'm sorry. I think it is time that many of us, we believers, stop holding on to what we think is our right. We should practice a word called abnegation. Abnegation means giving up your rights. 
just give up your rights to, to, to have somebody come and prostrate themselves and say, I've done you wrong. Let's give up that right and let us be like our Father in heaven who himself initiated a pardon, initiated forgiveness. Wow. That's who God is. And I believe that there are many believers around the world in, in this audience today because we have been sequestered, uh, because we have uh, been isolated, we've been self-quarantined, and even our government says stay in place, stay sheltered in. Even though they have said those things, they have said those things for our good, but while we are there, even though darkness uh, is, is there, rather the virus is lurking in the darkness, as it were, outside, even though that's happening, God is extracting something good. And at this time, God is extracting something good because we have become, many of us, more contemplative. We are thinking about things. We're thinking about our life. We're thinking about what we have done right and what we have done wrong. And many of us are like that. What an amazing time. Even though God has forgiven us, it is a wonderful thing to go to God again and say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I want you to do that, not only with God, as I've said, but with each other. Jesus tells us in verse 8, he says that you and I are not to be like those hypocrites. He says, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. Now, this is what Jesus does. He teaches us how to pray, how to get God's attention. You may say, oh, I know that. I've already done very, very well. Well, I want to tell you something. I've, I've com uh, completed uh, elementary school. I, I went to junior high. I, I finished junior high. I finished high school. I went to the university, uh, finished the bachelor's degree, uh, uh, went to the master's program. And so I know education. But I promise you, if I were to sit down with my youngest grandson or granddaughter, I might have a few problems understanding some of the things they're learning in elementary school. That is an amazing thing. So you say, well, Pastor, I know about forgiveness. Well, maybe there's one other thing you need to know about forgiveness. Let's see, because forgiveness opens a door to God, a broader door. I know that he's forgiven us. I know that we have access. But then sometimes we have access, but we don't really understand the fullness of the access. Yeah. And so God wants to give us fullness of the access. What would you think if I were to tell you that, that forgiveness, true forgiveness, understanding the depths of it, will give you a greater awareness of the access you have to God? Wow. And that's what this coronavirus has done for me personally and others that I know of. Jesus tells us in this manner we are to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Now listen, and forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive our debtors. Now he says, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Wow. Now I, I think this, this uh, warrants us uh, to talk about it a little bit because he says as we forgive our debtors forgive send their sins away no forgive send my sins away as I send their sins away <laughs> in like manner now by doing so you will have an understanding of the fullness of the pardon that Jesus Christ purchased for you on that tree this means that you will walk out your Christianity in a greater depth 
than ever before, at a greater height than ever before, at a greater fullness than ever before. You will be more aware of God than you've ever been. Wow. This is what God wants to say. Because the scripture teaches us that, that God uh, is able to bring good out of the bad. That's what the scripture says to us. It, it tells us that all things, not some things, all things work together for good to those who love God. All things work together for good to those who love God. It does not say that all things are good, but he says all things work for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Wow. We're called according to God's purpose believer. We're called, so that means that God can extract something good even out of these negative things. So we will send, we will cancel the debt of those who have offended us, those who have damaged us, those who have, have caused us pain. There shall be no stare downs in the future. That's what we're saying, no stare downs in the future. And, and verse 13 tells us, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He says, deliver us from the evil one. Now, verse 14 tells us, for if you forgive men uh, their trespasses, if you and I forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgive their trespasses, send them away, cancel their debt, cancel their debt. Now, now in the Message Bible, I like message Bi the Message Bible in various uh, situations, in various cases, but in verse 14 in the Message Bible, this is how it reads. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, and the operative expression is, the operative word is refuse. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. You cut yourself off from God's part. I would say to you, the Lord put this heavily on my heart to teach today, and I want to teach this because I know beyond any shadow of doubt, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that there are people in my audience today who, know, who are in this particular place. Wow, you don't want to forgive. You've been hurt so deeply, you don't want to forgive, and you are a prisoner of your own unforgiveness. You need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry I've held this against that person. Yeah, that person uh, was wrong. We're not ever saying they were right. Wow. You know, I've given you this example before that Jesus tells us to take up our, our cross and follow him. And uh, the, the idea, the Roman idea of a, of a criminal bearing their cross was to say, Rome, you're right and I'm wrong. But when you take up your cross and you forgive, you're saying, God, you're right, I'm wrong. Yeah, you have been wronged, but you are also wrong for not forgiving that person, expecting God to forgive you, and you don't forgive them. By forgiving, you're going to open yourself up to a greater awareness of God. The presence of God will be 
enjoyed by you greater than it was before because you will walk in a fullness that you have not walked in. This is amazing. Now, the book of Acts, chapter Acts, I'm sorry, chapter 26 of the book of Acts, verses 17 and 18. And this, these are the words of the Lord Jesus. He says, I will deliver you uh, from the Jewish people. He's saying this to Paul, as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Now, he says to him, this is a rhema word to Paul. He says, I'm going to deliver you. This is a rhema word. This is an exact word for Paul. Uh, and he says, to open their eyes, right? He's going to send them. The gospel is going to open their eyes in order to do something, in order to turn them from darkness to light. So he's going to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive what? Forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me, in Jesus, by faith in Jesus. So he offers them forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. God is so amazing. We are the criminals, as it were. We, and those of us who are saved now, we were the criminals. We were the criminals. We were the offenders. And God offered us a pardon. Uh, you know, and uh, so this amazing pardon, it's like in the Spanish word, it, it, it is made of giving two things. It, it is for a gift, giving a dawn, a gift. A perdon is giving a gift as it were. God gave us the gift of salvation with this amazing uh, uh, invitation to have our sins removed. He gave us the gift of salvation, eternal, uh, a, an eternal reward. Now, the book of Hebrews uh, uh, is, is an amazing book. Uh, it emphasizes the humanity of Jesus more than any uh, New Testament book except the Gospels. And so, and and it also emphasizes the role of Jesus as mediator between God and man. Uh, the, 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 Jesus is the one who brings forgiveness once and for all. So the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus brings forgiveness once and for all. So you may say, well, why, Pastor, are you telling me to, to ask for forgiveness or to say I'm sorry? Because it will open up the, uh, your understanding in a greater way when you say to somebody, I'm sorry. And then when you say, I am sorry to God and to that person, then that person is going to be free. You're going to send them. So they're free now to enjoy the presence of God. And you are in, uh, free, and you may learn more about yourself than you knew before. Wow, this is amazing. One who brings forgiveness once and for all. That's Jesus. Forgiveness is an untapped treasure. I say to you, forgiveness is an untapped treasure. I know we said, okay, I, I've forgiven. Uh, I, I'm, I, I am forgiven. I have forgiven. Yes, you have forgiven, but have you forgiven recent things? Have you, is there somebody in your life that you are at odds with, that you are in conflict with? Is there somebody that you've probably not spoken to them? You practice uh, avoiding that person. Come on, there's got to be somebody in your life like that. If not, you're doing extraordinarily well. Now, or you are that person to somebody. <laughs> so, so look, it's a, but forgiveness is an untapped treasure waiting for all of us to 
take it as our own. Can you imagine when I was a little boy, I would watch pirate movies and the buccaneers would, would go in. They, would, they were marauders. They would take treasure and they would go bury it in the earth or bury it in a cave. And as a little boy, I used to think, wow, I would love to find buried treasure. Oh, I'd be so excited. I'm telling you right now, you can find buried treasure before this broadcast is over. You can find buried treasure in forgiveness. It's buried treasure. It's been buried from you. It's been kept from you. Wow. Well, let, let me look at Matthew chapter 18. I want to look at Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Um, Peter, uh, we maybe we'll just read it. In verse 21, he says, Lord, how often shall, I, uh, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Uh, Jesus said, uh, I don't say seven times, but 70 times seven. Verse 23. Therefore, Jesus says 70 times 7. So Jesus gave him what we would consider an outlandish number, like 490 times. What Jesus is saying is, even if it were 590 times, you forgive your brother. And what Jesus is not doing that because he wants us to have the pain to forgive, that forgiveness could bring us. No, Jesus is telling us because of the joy that forgiveness will bring us. Because, because God forgave mankind through the death of his son, now Jesus is no longer the only begotten son of God. Jesus is now the first begotten son of, uh, son of God. Now Jesus has a huge number of sons. God rather has a huge number of sons through Jesus Christ. Wow, that's huge. And so that's what forgiveness. God forgave us. We couldn't find our way to him. So he found a way to us. And he forgave us. And now he has a, a great number of sons of God. And I say sons because we are speaking of those who bear his image. Those who have the right of inheritance. So right now, because God took the initiative to come to us when we could not come to him, we now are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, co-heirs of the universe, of all creation. Wow. Do you see what forgiveness will do? And so you must forgive somebody. There's somebody in my audience here. You, you've held it against them. Maybe a brother or sister, mom or dad. And you've held this against them for years, sometimes decades. They hurt you one time and you hold it against them for 30 years. Shame. And call yourself a child of God. Now, I don't want to hurt you, but still, it's a shame. Jesus, in verse 23, gives us uh, a, a, a great parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Verse 24, and when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's like, oh boy, a talent is like uh, 75 pounds. Say it could be 75 pounds of gold. You know, like say a 75 royal talent could be like 70, as much as 75 uh, pounds of, of, of gold. Can you imagine that? I mean, wow, gold is maybe $3,000 an ounce. I don't know what it is, but it's been up to that, you know, 1500 or whatever it is. Can you imagine it? what Jesus is saying is that it's not payable, right? It's not payable. You owe a debt that you cannot pay. If you lived a trillion years, you couldn't pay, right? So he says, but he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold and his wife and children and all he had and that payment be made. The servant fell down before him saying, Master, you know, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant 
was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Forgave him. He was moved with compassion. And this is the thing. Here we were, sinners. Before Jesus came, we were sinners. We had no access to God. We, we had a debt that was not payable, as it were. We weren't able to pay it. We had no means of paying it. And God had mercy on us through Jesus Christ. He says, then the master was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Forgave. He canceled it out. He remitted it. The debt went into remission, and there would be no punishment. There was no punishment due the debtor. That's what is so beautiful about salvation. There's no punishment due us. Wow. The removal of the cause of the offense is gone. It's the removal of it. It's been uh, had, as it were. It's gone. There is no cause of offense. It's, it is in the sea of forgetfulness. Now, that servant, in verse 28, that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, and said, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And, uh, but he would not do it. See, this parable shows our conduct. It shows us our conduct when we don't forgive uh, every trespass committed against us. There are marriages right now that can't go beyond where they are because somebody in the marriage won't forgive the other person. You won't forgive. Just won't forgive and justify your unforgiveness. Shame. In Espanol, que lastima. Que vergüenza. What a shame. What a pity. Well, we won't forgive. We won't forgive because I have been hurt. Well, what if God were, had said, I've been hurt. I'll never forgive you. We would all be destined to hell forever. Come on. This forgiveness is powerful. It's one of the most powerful things that a Christian has in his or her arsenal. Yeah, you've got your amazing bag of good stuff, you know. You know, but forgiveness of sins is huge. It's huge. Don't take it for granted. You see, uh, our, uh, our ability to pay is, uh, is, is just... It's dismal. It's dismal. God's forgiveness toward us is infinitely greater than ours toward our fellow man. So, so that means that God's forgiveness toward us is huge. God, we offended God's holiness. That's huge. Our sin debt is beyond our ability to pay, though we would live a trillion years. It's an impossibility. Yet we dismiss what God has done for us when we want payment in regards to our fellow man. We need to stop that. Now, so what happened in this story is that when uh, word got back to the master, the king, who had forgiven uh, this man his debts, when he got back to him, the, he, he dealt with him. He threw him in, in prison until uh, he would pay all. And this is what, that, what this is signifying, is that you and I can never pay all. We can never pay all. It's an impossibility. We can pay all. And so he says, so your heavenly father will do to each of you if each of you from his heart, if you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Wow. So I'm saying that I think we're going to release something in, in the audience today and in the world today. Let me give you another story. And, and forgive me for rushing, but uh, I don't want to keep you too, too long. In Genesis chapter 45, there's another story of forgiveness 
verses 1 through 5 and also verse 8. It's the story of Joseph, uh, a young um, uh, boy, Jacob's son, who had been maltreated by his brothers because they were jealous of him. They hated him because he had dreams. He was a dreamer. He had dreamed that all of his brothers would, would, would bow down to him. And then he, this boy had the audacity to dream that his father and his mother, that it means Jacob and his wife, and Jacob's wife would fall down before him and worship. The brothers were angry and jealous and, and sought a, a way to punish him. Jacob was angry and rebuked him. Boy, you crazy. You think I'm going to bow down to you, boy? You're my boy, you know. But hey, whoa, this is an amazing story. Let me read a little bit of it. So uh, the story goes that, that I, I urge you to read it. But the story goes when jo uh, Joseph was sold his brothers wanted to kill him. They finally didn't kill him. They sold him to uh, some um, uh, people going into e uh, Egypt. And so Joseph became a slave in Egypt, worked for the captain of Pharaoh, one of ca Pharaoh's captains, who was uh, Potiphar. He was working in his house. Everything that Joseph did prospered. Potiphar's house was blessed by Joseph. Uh, Potiphar's wife decided to, to then she would uh, have Joseph as her boyfriend. And Joseph refused because he said, no, Potiphar's been too good. He's kept, he's kept nothing back from me except you. And I will not do this evil. And so she kept on. And so one day Joseph literally ran from her and she grabbed him and she left his scarf and she lied on him. And now but we find out Joseph went into prison, but he met a butler and a baker. And later, and from the butler and the baker, uh, the story goes, he, he interpreted their dreams, and one of them died, and one of them lived and was restored to his position. Uh, and, uh, but he forgot to tell Pharaoh about Joseph. But then Pharaoh had a dream once, uh, a terrible dream about uh, 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 famine and very thin cows and, and no food. And uh, then the butler said, wow. I'm so sorry. Forgive me, uh, Pharaoh. For, for, forgive me, O king. I've done a bad thing. I didn't tell you the story uh, about this young man named Joseph. Uh, and he can interpret dreams in any way. So this, I'm going to pick up the story now after Joseph's brothers come. Uh, but the famine was so bad in Canaan and all over the world that the brothers came from Cana Canaan to Egypt to buy grain. Now listen, let, let's pick up the story. After Joseph has seen them and has dealt with them, they don't know he's Joseph. They don't know he is their brother. Then in, uh, in verse 1, it says, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him and cried out, Make everyone go from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. He was crying so loud. And I know sometimes in church we go, Shh, we're so nervous. A baby cries, Shh, 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 shh. You know, somebody gets a little bit emotional and says, thank you, Jesus. <gasps> you know, wow, this is Joseph. Joseph is the type of Christ. And if God allowed him to shout out loud in tears and in anguish, that's okay. All right? Don't be so nervous. And then verse 3 says, then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. Now, this is forgiveness. These guys wanted to murder him. He was, he was Jacob's favorite son because he was born while Jacob was an old man. So Jacob was very happy. He was happy. He loved it. Rachel, his, uh, Joseph's mom. And so he made him a special coat. He shouldn't have done that. But he did it anyway, you know. He shouldn't have made uh, uh, Joseph the ire of his brothers. But he did that inadvertently. Made him a special coat. My other guys had regular coats. Yeah. 
you know, he, he, bought the, he bought their coats, as it were, from the cheap store. But he, he brought, bought Joseph's from the designer store. Uh, that'll cause jealousy. So they wanted to kill him, and uh, they treated him very badly. Now, to know that your own brothers were about to take your life, and uh, then know that when, when that was not working, they sent you to Egypt as a, as a slave. Now, you know, now, you would think if anybody had a reason to be mad, it'd be Joseph. Now, listen what he says. Please come near to me, verse, 40, verse 4. So they came near. Then, they said, then he said, now they came near, but they were scared. They were scared. And he says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves. What? <laughs> Don't be grieved or angry with yourselves. That doesn't sound like the 2020 because you sold me. Don't be angry because you sold me. Listen how Joe, Joseph interpreted that situation. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Oh, Jesus. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. You wanted to take mine, but God sent me to save yours. This is amazing. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. So in your situation, don't be so angry with the person who mistreated you. Perhaps God was trying to elevate you. God was trying to give you something of himself that you didn't have. Because when we were without strength and we did evil things against God, he forgave us. And he sent his own son to die for us, his only son to die for us. The story of Joseph is an amazing story. It is a story of rejection, betrayal, and forgiveness. But the forgiveness is more effective than the rejection and betrayal uh, and brutality. So the forgiveness is more effective than rejection and betrayal are brutal. The rejection and betrayal were brutal, but forgiveness was even greater. Joseph saw God's plan to save a family and a nation through the brutality of his brothers. He saw through that. And he saw what God was doing. And if you would, would have a posture of forgiveness, you will begin to see through the offense and you'll see how God is making you better. God is making you more like him. This is amazing. This is amazing. There's a greater story than the story of Joseph. I'm speaking of the story of Jesus Christ be, uh, being the son of God who came to his own people and his own people did not receive him. They denied him. They betrayed him in the presence of a Gentile Pilate. That's like church folks believe in the world before they would believe a church person. Wow. Right now in our nation, I'm, I'm going to go there. Yes, I'm going there. You know, it's just like, you know, if, if, if somebody's a Democrat, they can't believe a Republican who's a believer. A Republican, they can't believe a Democrat who's a believer. They believe if you're a Democrat, you can't be, a, uh, be saved. If you're a Republican, you can't be saved. Hogwash craziness. We should look through that. Perhaps God has them in that party to save some. We have to look at things the way God looks at things. It's amazing, God, how good he is. But they, 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 they rejected Jesus. They, they cast him out as a common criminal. They crucified him. They murdered him on the cross. They crucified is somewhat of a sanitized word for murder. They nailed him to the cross. Yes, they brutalized and crucified him. Yes, I said again, they murdered him on the tree. Yet from the tree, 
from the tree, from the despised place, the Son of God uttered these words, being nailed. Can you imagine? He uttered these words, beaten all night. Can you imagine? He uttered these words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He's the one who is their Savior and, and our Savior. This is what he said. I'm going to conclude today. I want to thank you for joining me. Wow, I feel like I've rushed, but I'm going to conclude by saying a few things. One is, we show our likeness to the Lord when we forgive others, just like he forgave us. We had a debt we could not pay. He paid it through the death of his son. Forgiveness and repentance give a person another opportunity to get things right. You need to get some things right. You need to get some things right. God wants forgiveness from the deepest part of you, from your heart. It's going to cost you something to extract something from deep down. You're going to feel that pain. But you do it and you'll be blessed and benefited. Lord, these are my final words. I, I was thinking about that song in my title, Lord, I'm Sorry. That song we sang earlier says, Lord, I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. Lord, I'm sorry when I just sang another song. I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. And I want to say to you, that's what you ought to say to God. But you ought to call somebody up and say to them, Brother, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That young woman who told a brother a week, a week or so ago said these words, Dad, you ought to forgive that offense. And that dad was me. Someone had hurt me deeply. Betrayed my confidence. And I forgave them, but I tried to avoid them. I was hurting every time. So I drove away thinking, God, I'm not a good person. Because I held that on. I held that. But I called that person. And I said, I want you to forgive me. I want you to forgive me for the way I've acted. The person said, oh, son, what are you talking about? Sometimes the offended person doesn't even carry the offense. You're just hurting yourself. I said, no, what are you talking about? I said, well, if you need forgiveness, I'll give it to you, but I don't know what you're talking about. I called another person said, I'm so sorry for my directedness and my sometimes stubborn refusal. I keep going because if I think God wants something, I don't stop it. And if that I hurt you, I'm so sorry that, that, that I hurt you. I said, what are you talking about? I thought that was an admirable quality. Oh. Let me finish this message. I called a third person. I said, I want to, I said, brother, I want to just ask your forgiveness. For you. Wait, stop, stop. It's not your fault. It was me, and, and, I, and I'm glad you called me. I'm so glad you called me. I'm so glad you called me. I loved you so much. I wouldn't have never known those things 
and I called the fourth person. And I may not be through calling, but I called the fourth person. I hadn't intended to share those things with you, but I called the fourth person and I took full responsibility. I said, there's been something that's happened and it's all my fault because I could have done things better. I called to tell you I'm really sorry. And I've, I want you to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me because I made a terrible mistake. It wasn't intentional. And the person wasn't happy with me. But we talked a little bit. We talked for another 58 minutes and everything was all right. Forgiveness is perhaps the greatest treasure that you have. Maybe it's an untapped treasure. I ask you now to forgive yourself for not having asked others to forgive you. And don't go to them and say, if I did. No. That's a terrible, it's a sorry way to, to do it. You go say, I'm sorry for whatever I've done, for everything I've done. Even go to God. It would do you well, do, do you good to maybe repent about some things that you never specifically repented. You just said, God, forgive me every, every sin. But maybe you need to go to God and say, God, forgive me for such and such. That thing still bothers me. And God will give you a fuller awareness of himself. I bless your day in Jesus' name. And I'm grateful to God for you. If you're here today in this audience and you don't know Jesus, ask Jesus right now to come into your heart and save you, forgive you of your sins. He will do it. The Father will receive you and you will be a new creation. I'm asking you to do that. And I'm asking you to write it on there. I asked Jesus into my heart today. And when we start to, to, to congregate again, you come to this fellowship and we'll receive you and we'll love you and we'll pray for you. May God bless you. I'm sorry When I've just gone through the motions I'm sorry I'm not just singing another song Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I'm sorry When I've come with my agenda I'm sorry When I forgot that you're enough Take me back to where we start And open up my heart to you Sing that again, I'm sorry Come on now I'm sorry When I've just gone through the motions I'm sorry When I just sing another song Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I'm sorry, Lord, I know I am I'm sorry When I've come with my agenda I'm sorry When I forgot that you're enough Take me back to where we started 
just want you. And I trust that the message has brought that to your attention today. My prayer is that you now want Jesus more than anything. And if you want him more than anything, do what he did. Obey him and follow him. Now, I I want you to know again and again how much Sister Marvin and I love you. We miss you terribly. I don't know how it would feel to be an amputee, but it feels like I'm an amputee without you, without laying my eyes on you and touching you and being in your presence. A man told me once who had lost a a limb, he said, I've lost that limb, but it still itches sometimes. He said, it's it's still there. It's called phantom pain. Phantom pain. And, And so I want you to know that it's like that when we are not with you. We love you. We're going to dismiss now, but as my pastor used to say, we're going to dismiss you from this service, but not from the presence of God. So if you will, wherever you are, repeat after me. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. And the Lord give you His peace. In Jesus' name, I bless you. Go with God. Sorry if I just gone through the motions. I'm sorry if I just say.